This podcast is produced by Unedited. Hello, Dreamers, and welcome to episode 131 of the Dreamers Disease podcast with me, Alex Manzi. And after going through my own battles with depression and anxiety, I wanted to create a platform for you to join me on this journey of becoming richer in mind, body, and soul. And whether that is a discussion about everyday struggles, hearing the story of an inspirational guest, or some of my own personal experiences, we aim to inspire you to start making a positive change in your life. And on this week's episode, I'm really excited to be joined by Tony Riddle, aka The Natural Lifestylist. And he is basically all about studying and working with you to figure out how you can use nature to help your body get back to its full physical and emotional health. And he's a big advocate of things like barefoot running, having recently run 30 miles in 30 days barefoot. And when I first came across Tony's work, I was literally blown away. I was totally obsessed with some of the methods that he talks about. I still implement some of them into my life today and I feel the real benefits of them. So I just knew that I had to get him on the podcast to share the knowledge that he has, the wisdom and just to have a really good chat to be honest. So during this conversation, we speak about why burnout is such a common thing, how to avoid back pain why he removed the chairs from his house, all of the chairs that is, every single one from his house, gone, and why most trainers and shoes are bad for your feet and lots and lots and lots more. And honestly, this is one of the most powerful conversations I've had on this podcast. It's full of gems for you to apply to your life. And in this chat, Tony mentions that quite a few of his resources, which what I've done is I've linked them up in the show notes. So just hit the show notes wherever you're listening right now, you can check them out for yourself. But before we jump in, I do want to thank you for listening. Do make sure you hit subscribe so you can stay up to date with all the latest episodes of the podcast. But right now, let's jump straight in and hear about rewilding your life with Tony Riddle. How's it going? I'm great, man. Yeah. yeah. Great morning. Good start today. It is. Nice, fresh morning. Blue. Well, it was blue skies. <laughs> Don't know what happened. Yeah, thanks for inviting me on, man. No, man. Absolute pleasure. And it's, it's really funny because... The reason, the reason you're here, I'll give you, I'll give you a backlog to the yeah, story. Right? This is quite this fascinating. So around this time last year, and for like the year before, I was super on it with like my gym, my exercise. Like I was, I had my meditation routine down, like stretching routine, everything. Like I felt like a million dollars. Like body was in good shape. Went away to Japan as I was telling you earlier for a month. Came back and had this little niggle in my back, and it, it's just like it wouldn't go away. So I was having some physio treatment. This is now around April time, having some physio treatment. And it was sort of starting to clear up, getting a bit better. And then around June, like my back completely went, like totally went. And I was like, it's like three days lying on the floor, like couldn't do much, like just on your back kind of thing. And then physio was working with it, got it, got it better. But I started to get really like into like standing up more. And like when I'm at home, like just putting more movement into my day and I Around the same time, around July time, end of July, I'd started a new freelance gig. And one of the girls in the office, one day she noticed that I was like, you know, one minute I sat at the desk, next minute I was over by the standing desk, then I was back like here, then I'd go for a walk. And uh, we, we started talking and she, she was like, oh, you know, she started asking me and the subject of the podcast came up and I was like, oh, I'm super into like my wellness. And I started going on this rant about we're not, you know, we're not beings that should be, you know, sat at a desk for eight hours a day. We're, we're built to, to have movement Good in our rant. lives. And I was like, yeah, it was like, I was really going in. And I was like, you know, I've got all these problems with this, that and the other. And uh, so shout out Lucy, because she goes, you know what? I just listened to this really fascinating podcast. You should check it out. It's with a guy called Tony Riddle on um, Dr. Chatterjee's uh, podcast, mm. uh, Feel Better, Live More. So I was like, oh, okay, wicked, wicked, I'll check it out. So the next day I'm in the gym, 
back in the gym but doing just soft stuff because I still can't really do much listening to it and I was like I'm I am hooked. I was hooked after listening and like I started to build in a lot of the stuff that you guys were discussing into my days and I've kind of just sort of followed your journey and you know it was around the time where you did you know you did your 30 day run and all that mm. sort of stuff. So I was like this guy is fascinating I need to get him on the podcast. So I just reached out and here we are. Boom. <laughs> so that's the backstory. It all came together. Yeah. Nice. So I got super like yeah I just got super inspired by it all really through through my own like obviously it's this like stuff that I, I'm, in, I'm super interested in but just through my own like problem with my back and I was like right I need to try and figure out ways to other ways to have you figured it out no okay <laughs> no not at all so it's still there uh, it is still there yeah so yeah. it went it went again a couple of weeks ago not as bad but it was when I was in the gym doing some deadlifts I'd started to add weights back on again and I just went too much. It wasn't even that much. It was like 55 kilos. I went but a bit that was like five kilos too much. Yeah, even then I'd go into what's the foundation of yeah. the deadlift. Yeah. Why do you need it? Exactly. Um, can you squat? You know, are you comfortable in a squat? As comfortable in squatting as you are in sitting right now? Yeah. You know, because the squat's a rest position. It's not yeah. a exercise, right? Yeah. So if you can get the squat to a rest position and be comfortable and have a good shape and form and to be able to move in and out. So imagine... Yeah. In, in a fire setting, let's say, let's take a squat to where it, its origins, yeah. say nature or observing kids, they can move around and play in the squat. It's not like a rigid form. They have loads of mobility in that range yeah. and then the ankle's getting loads and loads of range and so is the hip and then the spine's getting organised above it. So that's, that's how the squat should be. Mm. And then you could say, then you can say, well, can I load the squat now? Yeah. Then you've earned the right of passage. Yeah. You know? Exactly. But if you don't, if, if that's that not the foundation. Exactly. Yeah. Don't, you know, it's like, going, you know, you actually, the upstream of thinking there is to get the squat back to a rest position. So it feels comfortable. It's yeah. no longer an exercise. You know, yeah. we've made that kind of, that, I guess that's the, I, I held a workshop this weekend, like 100 participants and, the the workshop's called Move, Breathe, Chill. So it's, they're expecting to move for an hour. Depends what their perception of movement is. But yeah. for me, it's movement is play. So it's a form of getting movement, removing exercise completely. And that's even like a movement practice for some coaches can still have a filter of exercise. It's a number of reps, yeah. you know, repetitions and sets. Right? You even just remove that. And we just had this room erupt from complete strangers, right? They wouldn't even look at each other in the eye. Really? you know, awkward and like they just stepped off the tube. They've had their commute, complete strangers. Mm. And then through a, just a series of warm ups, like just walking around the room, brushing shoulders, making eye contact, right? Hugging, right? And now I want you to hug the person when you walk past. Then I want you to hold their shoulders and say, you are loved. So yeah. this whole room's like, you are loved. And then off they go again. And then next thing they were just, by the end of it, by t right, an hour in, they're rolling around on the floor, wrestling together, yeah. you know? And they just become one kind of, it was like this collective emotion, like being one. So rather than a room full of independence, it become an interdependent thing. Yeah. But completely removed exercise. And the way I'd explained it is that, you know, up until a certain age, we're, you know, we, we just play. That's all we ever did, right? And then you go into this schooling kind of environment that removes play, turns it into a lunch break. Yeah. And then, and then you're given physical exercise. Mm. And that's adult-led, right? And then it's strict and it has, you know, it's a specialist subject. And we're amazing generalist movers. So in that specialist act, we remove kind of the innate ability to actually move well, I mm. think. And then you go from that to sitting, like, immediately. Yeah. 
you know so the, as much of that as you can unravel the best really yeah. the better for you to get the mobility back in the body i guess yeah and it's it's like i just find it crazy and before actually before i want to unpack a lot of that um can you just because i could totally skip this bit can you um got straight i got carried away it's all right man. can you just let um the listeners know a bit about who you are and what you do just to give some context to um my name is tony riddle and i'm a husband a father um a coach and a human being mm. um take that in any order if you like yeah so i'm also known as the natural lifestylist um Basically, I look for ways of living that are more in sync with human biology. That might be looking to the natural beings of today or researching natural parts of the world or beings of today to find those ways of living. Um, what I found is over many years of different practices, you know, going from Pilates through to a movement background to a barefoot running background and then looking at sleep and rest and play and digestion, all these other modalities let's call them in a way that the more i align that with nature the the happier and healthier my clients let's say would become and that might be you know coaching people from being students through to billionaires or it might be teenagers through to the elderly that it's the same story mm. the more and more disconnected they are from than from nature or that connection to nature and it's like an internal thing that it's not an external right um, the the less happy they are, right? mm. and and the more suffering. And I think we call it suffering. It's like a there's a melee's there, isn't it? But it's the, it's the suffering really. And for me, it's always the more nature I can introduce into those apparently unhappy um, lives, mm. the more I can remove suffering. You yeah. know, the happier they become. The more we're driven by success, aren't we? on that path we we it's often a saboteur we sacrifice so much and i think with what i'm seeing especially is is well burnout right mm -hmm. and so a lot of those clients i'm talking about originally would come and see me were probably 40s 50s that were burning out then i started to hear about in the 30s and and now it's 20 year olds coming to see me with burnout which yeah. is like insane but it's the same story it's like okay well let's just align as much as we can within your habitat of today change the habits and align them more with nature and again yeah. the more successful they become as a being i think it's the you know we're humans doing not human beings right now right mm. so but if you can create that that bridge and get them over to being again then yeah it's the it's a healing process that's part of my work yeah and so that might be looking at movement it might be looking at players of discussed it might be breath work it might be getting people into cold immersion and then like with the workshop at the weekend, there's the social element to the human being as well. Mm. That we're all so disconnected from. We're social beings, but that's, there's a saboteur within that as well, which has become a device that we have in our hands that we perceive as being social, but it's not. It's, it's removed kind of the actual, the real human connection part of that. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so again, looking at physical, social, spiritual needs. Yeah. And again, the closer I can get those to <clears throat> nature, the more I can align them with a biological norm, let's say, the more natural the outcome. Mm. And when you say like connect to nature, do you mean like literally going outdoors to do stuff or are you, you talking about the natural ways that our bodies are supposed to function or is it like a it's blend? Everything. So imagine like, so we're in, you know, we're, we're in London right now, right? So 83% mm. 
of the UK live in urban environments, right? And that you could put that into any city, really, I guess, right? And we spend 90% of our time indoors. So 10% of that's easy, right? If I want to rewild or reconnect someone, it's like, okay, just go to the, just go to the park, right? Just go to a green space, take your shoes off. That's one thing you can do to connect to nature. But really, it's how do we do that in an urban environment, which is so void of it. Yeah. And so the way that you can then reconnect to nature is you can say, right, okay, we could simply just, within this room now, is go, right, okay, boom, magic wand, remove the furniture mm. and exist on the ground one way because the chair doesn't exist in nature, you know, it's, but a sedentary culture does exist in the urban zoo. Mm. Um, mechanical low back pain, knee issues, ankle issues, um, exists in the zoo it doesn't necessarily exist in nature okay so let's let's have a look at that people want to go to pilates yoga and all these other systems what are they trying to do well they're trying to rewild a posture to yeah. get the posture back to its natural state what's the saboteur of that posture it's the chair so why keep sitting in a chair if you have back pain you know so it's for me it's always looking at the they're kind of the we deal with symptom relief we've created industries and this huge world off the back of the yeah. symptoms from the very environment that we inhabit so do we go to the cause or do we just keep dealing with yeah. symptom relief and becoming a victim? So do you want to be a victim or do you want to live more in divinity? For yeah. me, it's about getting back into the natural sense of things. So is it about going into nature? I think, again, it's, it's understanding what exists in nature and how do I marry that up? So you could say um, the bedroom, yeah. right? sleep, you know, because we're on this path at the moment where sleep in the human zoo it, we can read about from one book to the next there are almost as many sleep books now as what there are dietary recommendations um but there's one common thread and that's right you have to be asleep for eight hours a day yeah Alex, you have to be asleep for eight hours a day i have four kids okay so i don't always get eight hours of sleep do i look like i'm obese do i look like i have diabetes do I, you know it so says there's but there's this sleep debt that we're led to believe will accumulate through not achieving eight hours sleep and through that we're we're at risk of diabetes obesity mm. um inflammatory disease is is it sleep or is it again the symptoms of the lifestyle or is it even just understanding the sleep habitats different and the way that i would then approach that is to say well for most of my entrepreneur clients or real high flying clients and they're they're on it you know like the gary v's of the world they're really on it right so how do they kill it without killing themselves, yeah. you know? So it's okay, let's have a look at the environment because people in nature are still killing it, you know, but not killing themselves. Mm. So you can then look to anthropological studies. There you go, matches kicking. <laughs> um, and see that there's, you know, they look at three separate geographic locations um, and they observe 99 members, so 33 in each tribe. And they say, okay, let's look at what their sleep patterns are. All, they're all doing the same thing, right? No one's sleeping for eight hours. That's a cert, right? Mm. They're like 5.7 to 7.1 hours. Um, so within that, they then say, okay, let's let's look at what's happening. Okay, so they wake in the lightest part of the sleep, right? So you have a sleep-wake cycle. They're actually, they're actually waking. And why are they waking? Because they have a fire to tend. They can't afford the fire to go out, so they look after the fire. Mm -hmm. Um, they have weapons and tools and they probably are in a hostile environment and can't afford to just be asleep the whole time, yeah. right? Um, so, they, there's so these are actual, actual tribes, tribes that we're right? talking about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, then they, so then they're looking after fire, looking after the young, prepping tools, smoking, sometimes partying. 
and they but they're not all doing that together so when they break them up they look at um the hadza and they studied them over third um 220 hours so the whole study is like 1165 hours the whole the the, the 99 members three independent tribes yeah. Um, and again, they're asleep for 5.7, 7.1. That's one thing they've determined from that. And they've determined from that that the, the difference is that the air quality, of course, mm-hmm. is different. The temperature is different. The temperature drops. They don't have the ability to make sunrise at sunset, so they can't turn the light on, right? So it's a it's biological darkness. And biological darkness simply means there's moonlight, starlight, and firelight. Mm-hmm. But there's no bright bulbs like these in their face. Screens. Or screens, yeah. right? Or devices, or yeah. So that's out the question. There's also fireside chats, right? Romantic stories and tales that are taught, not news at 10, toxic stabbings that are happening in the neighborhood that you're going to absorb on a really blue lit screen just before you're about to go into, you know, some amazing cycles of sleep that don't turn out to be so amazing for you. Then they look at, sorry, then they break off at the Hadza and they say, right, okay, we'll follow these 33 members of the Hadza. And they discover that, over 220 hours they're only asleep for 18 minutes altogether. wow so they're up all the way through the night they're amazing specimens right mm. and they get up super alert they're on it right and as i was saying earlier they're waking up the right kind of stiff in the morning right yeah. they're completely on it and so what's what is it how is it that we have this the the meles there what, what are all the diseases that are coming through through sleep and then you can start to look at it. Okay, what's, what is the mechanism beneath it? And there's things like melatonin, right? Yeah. So we know there's studies around melatonin. We're all reading about it. We understand we're in amber glasses and yeah, yeah. biohacking. But really, when you understand melatonin, you can see that its regulatory system is for digestion. So it will suppress ghrelin, ghrelin being the hormone that tells you I need to eat. Um, and it will suppress leptin that's then telling you oh, it's a satiating hormone. Sorry, it picks up leptin, which is a satiating hormone. So that then tells you I've had enough food, mm. you know? So if you've got the lights on in the evening and there's blue light present, which blue and green spectrums of light, that will suppress melatonin. Ah, okay. So anything above, say, six, it's between 60 and 600 lux, they say, of light will suppress melatonin. The average light's like 600 lux anyway, yeah, right? Wow. So if that's happening in the evening, is it little wonder why people want to get in the munchies beyond a certain time, mm. right? Um, the other role is apoptosis. You know how you're transforming unhealthy cells into healthy cells. That role, trigger role of that is melatonin again. And then you can say, okay, what, what are the cancer studies? And then, then there's, whew, it's like starts to blow your mind, right? And you see the NHS studies with blind people, right? Mm. Blind people, for instance, have, what, 35 to 50% lower cases of breast and prostate cancer. Mm, wow. But they also have the highest levels of melatonin, like 10 to 11 hours, right? Night shift workers, on the other hand, have the opposite. It's like 35 to 50% higher rates of breast type, mm. breast cancer and prostate cancer because they just live in blue light in the evening. Yeah. You know? So you can kind of, kind of bring that in. Then you, so then you just kind of have the human zoo and you have nature. And you yeah. can always look at nature as the filter. So can we all go and live with the Hadza, you know, around the fire? No, but we now know that you can create a sleep habitat. Yeah. A sleep sanctuary, I think Sean Stevenson calls it. Really nice term that. And you just, you know, you just do a nature pimp your bedroom. You just kind of just get the unnatural materials out, I'd say. Clean up the air, you know, air purity. If you're sleeping in a room or supposedly sleeping or being in a room for eight hours, do you want neurotoxins in there? You know, probably some people have been in that room for like, could be 30 years, the same bedroom. Yeah, yeah. 
you know? And so when was the last time you changed your bed? When was the last time you fought back the fibers in your mattress, mm. in your duvet, in the, in the bed sheets, in the carpet, in the underlay, in the mastic, in the paint, all of that stuff is going to, with central heating over the winter, believe me, that's kicking some shit out. So yeah. you can go air purifiers. Yeah. You can stick plants in there. You know, depending on the budget, plants, peace lily is cheap as anything, but they're on NASA's list of air purifying plants. Yeah. Remove like benzene, xylene, formaldehyde from that environment or spend a bit more money. There's one air purifier found, it's like a hundred pounds. A guy did like a, a crowdfunding thing on that. Amazing. Um, or you can go Dyson or go Blue Air, depending mm. on how much you want to spend. And that will remove 99.9% of particles, impurities, toxins. Wow. And then lighting. And I think lighting's the key for us, you know, because again, we have um, four kids, right? And we just dumb the whole house down at night. So it's often Katerina and I will say, we're going to bed now, right? Yeah. And then the kids thought, so we don't, we don't create an issue around sleep. So it's not like we say, oh, we need our time. So we put the kids to bed and then we have a battle. They just, they just say, okay, okay. And we go and then they follow us in half an hour later. Yeah. But it's because the room's been done down. There's no artificial, artificial suns. There's no bright light. And everyone just starts to tune in and get the sleep. Yeah. So it's, it doesn't have to be... You know, it can just be lighting. It can yeah. be, you can wear amber glasses. You can look like Bono if you want to. But, you know, we're in an amazing space where you can buy a light bulb for like 30 quid now that will have a um, a remote control with it and you can switch it to normal tones of light through to amber. Mm. You can even have a strobe going if you wanted it, you know. So all that's available now. Yeah. And I think it's only going to grow and grow. Like even Dyson have gone into that wellness um, space now, mm. you know. Yeah, I think it's becoming a massive market, isn't it? I think like lots of people are starting to want to, you know, thankfully improve their their wellness and their lifestyles by, you know, as you you called it earlier, like biohacking. We call in it a biohacking, way. right? Yeah, but it's yeah. it's not. It's almost like bio unhacking, isn't it? Because the hack is the fact that we've been hacked. Is we've been like hacked. You said, the zoo, as you called it, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's about how do we connect back to like what our bodies are meant to do and meant to experience so that we can then have our best experience of life and it's like so a lot of the stuff that you've just been saying that like i've got i haven't got a piece lately in my room i've got a um what's the other one mothering mothering mother-in-law's tongue i think yeah, they're called yeah. they're, they're like supposed to be good for your air purifying i haven't got a red light I'm, I'm i'd go more really up the plants so if you're gonna do it yeah yeah because it's like one piece lily in one room yeah you know you need you probably need about 10 there oh really okay. yeah to really ramp things up yeah yeah okay um, but try and at least work into what's in the space as well. Yeah. You know, because again, otherwise the air purifier is still dealing with this. It's like the symptom relief, right? Yeah. What's the cause? So, you know, budget in, in your life is yeah. to say, well, this month I'm going to work on movement. This month I'm going to work on sleep or whatever. Mm. And then that month of sleep is like, right, okay, I'm really going to work on what that environment is. Yeah. I guess it's like almost trying to override, isn't it? The system that's already in place. It's like, like I said, if you have just one piece lately, it's not going to do the job. You need to override what's already there. Yeah, yeah, until it. you, again, but again, understand that that's still symptom. It's like, what's the cause? Where mm. do I, how do I go in at that level? Start to identify and look at the the habitat and the habits that are forming within it. Yeah. Habits and habitats for me. Yeah. So what are some other things then like day to day? Because, you know, like I said, I, I started looking into loads of different things from like, you know, best times to eat to like, you know, exercise routines to 
nighttime routines, morning routines, you know, every, I started looking into everything and it, it can be quite confusing once you start diving overwhelming, in. It's right? very, yeah, very overwhelming because there's so much information and you because it's becoming such a big market, not necessarily all of that information is the correct information as well, but you, you can't filter your way through it. So looking at the kind of going back to nature as, you, as you've described it, like what would you say are like the, the fundamental things that we should be including or trying to do in our lives day to day. Okay, so the fundament, there's fundamental physical, social, spiritual needs, right? You could even apply like Maslow's hierarchy of needs yeah. to this, right? But I'll give you a demonstration of Maslow's hierarchy of needs versus nature. Right? Yeah. So Maslow's hierarchy of needs, let's say food is a fundamental need, right? So you have to go through physical, social to get to a, what would be a, um, um, an empowered being, right? You know? Um, so the foundations of that would be food. So then let's look back 50 years compared to now, even with food, or let's go back a hundred years ago, 200 years ago, you know, and you go back with food and you start to understand, well, if we understand food in nature, it would be, um, I would go and forage or I'd go, and, I'd, I'd go hunting or foraging. Right. So that means I have an experience, which is not, it's social and it's spiritual because mm -hmm. I make a connection to the earth. So food is no longer just a physical experience. Yeah. Um, when I'm out with the food, I'm feeling the food, I'm touching the food. So already it's preparing enzymes, the digestive system's working already a bit like a mindfulness practice. Yeah. Um, mindfulness where they put a raisin in your hand and you hold the raisin and they, and they want you to look at the raisin. You keep inspecting the raisin and then eventually they let you touch the raisin. Yeah. And then you move the raisin around in your hand. You're really closely inspecting the raisin and you keep moving it around and you're feeling squeezing the raisin and you're like salivating, right? It's like insane. Yeah. And then eventually you're allowed. They allow you to eat the raisin. Put it on your tongue. It's like the best fucking raisin you've ever had in your life, Bet. right? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's having a relationship. So that would be a bit like the closest I could, you know, you could have, you could discuss foraging. Right but how, would you, how would you do that then like with, say like your breakfast, your lunch, your dinner, obviously you're so not going to start gonna go. like sticking so your fingers in your porridge. That's where I'm going to go. So it's, it's kind of, that's, imagine that's kind of the natural experience of food, right? And you then have versus, right, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to leg it into sainsbury's waitrose tesco's whatever um a mini mart whatever it is i'm going to pick up a sandwich in a pack i'm going to tear it open i'm going to smash that sandwich as quickly as i can because i'm in a rush to get to the next meeting you know who has actually had their physical need met of food so then we have to question even maslow's hierarchy of needs is it that we can't reach self-actualization because we're simply not even getting the basic fundamental of need of food met we think we are so mm -hmm. therefore we think it's being met but therefore um we're still suffering because if theory if we're we're in a way overfed and undernourished aren't we yeah and the reason that is because we've the saboteur is we're not digesting so the mind connection to food would be one yeah. so even before smashing the sandwich would be to at least um breathe so yeah. breath work is a great uh, modality, right? And there's many multiple modalities within breath, right? But you can look at a parasympathetic system of breath. Very simplest form would be to just inhale through your nose and spend a long exhale. Mm -hmm. You know, try and get a longer exhale than an inhale. Don't obsess over numbers because that can make you stress. Am I getting my four seconds, my three seconds? But just, you know, an inhale 
and then a longer yeah. and then you fill in your lungs just, or is it just just a, as long as it's a lot and it's a long nasal breath so it's not this is breathing in through my nose like yeah, yeah? and this is breathing up through my nose so one is up and one is in. So thinking yeah. up through the nose and you just breathe for as long as you can. Again, mm. just relaxing with it. Don't try and charge the breath. And then on the exhale, it's more of a letting go. Try 10 cycles of breath. It will assist because it drops us into parasympathetic. Yeah. And parasympathetic simply means rest and digest. That would say that I'm in a more rested position. I've already prepping something along the lines of what the digestive system needs and then I have more chance of absorbing the nutrients of whatever it is I'm eating. Not that a sandwich is the best example of that, yeah. but we do the best of what we can with what we have. And so if the contents of the sandwich isn't natural, that's okay because you and I might be in this position. You might have the most insane nutritional diet, right? It might be like, yeah, everything's on point. But you're a stressed out zoo human with no ability to absorb. I, on the other hand, might be... Um, one chilled out mofo yeah. right and the crappiest diet but i would benefit more because i would be absorbing what it is i need because of the digestive system the mm. enzymes the stomach acid everything will be prepped in order to receive yeah. and then distribute the wealth of whatever it is to my cellular system like a very complex system isn't it yeah so that's one way you could look at it so that's food yeah. then you have to say well digestion is yeah. another one for me on so just on the food thing does that so in that are, are we talking like even it's like when, when you're cooking for example you're kind, are you kind of going through that Brilliant process you're, cooking. Of, you're feeling up the food yep. you're cutting it up exactly even if you're making a smoothie in the morning it's like you're breaking up the banana you're yep. grabbing your handful of blueberries you're you're putting it all together Is, would that be included in the kind of that yeah that's the preparation dynamic. you're preparing food yeah. so you're already in there yeah. in the zone of it the difference would be this, right? So imagine you're in Hell's Kitchen, right? you've got Gordon Ramsay breathing <laughs> down your neck and calling you all obscenities yeah. and you're trying to prepare that food. Are you going to digest it? No. Mm. So again, it's, that's where breath comes in. I think you, we have to be working with breath work to drop us out of a sympathetic state into a parasympathetic state because you might be prepping, thinking about um, a, a phone call, a stressful phone call, an email, um, an argument you had, mm. you know, something that's going to be happening later. Any of those things are enough to trigger the sympathetic nervous system. And then you can be feeling the food and doing the rest of it, but you're not dropped into the state of yeah. what the Someone's natural being is when they're out foraging because yeah. they're in their parasympathetic state. That's their constant state. Their acute state is the sympathetic state, which is the fight and flight. It's mm. an acute response. We've managed to flip that in the zoo, right? So we're in like the chronic state of upregulated alert you know there's positives to being alert and upregulated but we're in that the majority of the time and we have to find ways mechanism within it to drop back into a parasympathetic state yeah and then because what if we don't then of course ah burnout from people in their 40s 50s people in their 30s to 40s people now in their 20s to 30s and younger mm. that's what's coming in because we're ramping things up and examples of that might be, like my dad, for instance, who, you know, he used to be mega stressed with a business, but he'd still rest his eyes. Yeah. He'd still be in the chair. Now I'm just resting my eyes. It was his meditation. He'd still switch off. He didn't have a mobile device in his hand, scrolling, trolling, yeah. you know, in the moment when that's an, an opportunity to rest and downregulate, which came in 
either after a meal or before a meal, mm. you know? So he, he even managed that. He didn't know why he was doing it, but he was doing it. Doing it yeah. But we've lo- we kind of lost sight of stuff like that. So that, that could be food and then digestion again. So I, even with the food, try, you know, you have to say, well, how does food look in nature? Not just the experience of prepping food, breathing. It's like, well, what, what is food, right? So I want to get it back to as close to being a high vibrational food as possible, you know? Mm-hmm. So if you're eating plants, do you want your plants covered in pesticides and, you know, and Roundup and God knows what else is going on that's going to only just affect the microbiome of the gut, but also what's being distributed throughout the body. Yeah. And that you could say the same thing if you're eating animals, it's the same thing. You know, do you want to be eating a domesticated farmed animal that's been abused, fed on antibiotics and Mm. then absorb that Mm. because you know, we are absorbing it. And yeah. if we're absorbing not just the cellular information of the animal, but the emotional state of the animal, yeah. is that going to add to burnout and anxiety? I would say absolutely. You know, it's, you know, mm-hmm. so then what would you do, right? So then you can say, well, okay, what do natural beings eat, right? Because we know there's no, no, nat- there's no natural vegan tribe, right? Yeah, it doesn't exist. So, yeah. but what is it they do? And they range from being 95% plant-based to 95% carnivorous yeah. right so what are they doing and then again they're natural animals so they're so whatever animal they're eating or having a relationship with and there's a relationship with them with the animal is that it's a wild animal mm. and what can you do if you couldn't have wild animal and then you have to go as close as you would get to it which would be like a grass-fed grass-slaughtered animal that's still part of the ecosystem yeah that's that's not disconnected from it yeah which is like industrial farming, right? Is yeah. disconnected from it. And then you have holistic management farming where, you know, they're moving the animals around the land and that part that sequesters carbon and it's a, it's a whole process again. Mm. So that could be, that, that's food. It's just trying to tick the box of what does it look like? Yeah. You know, would, would, would you have seen it on your great grandfather's plate? <laughs> you <laughs> yeah. know? Yeah. And that's so like, you, vegetables and stuff is like, you know, you can go to farmers markets can't you to get your fruit your veg or this this yeah. seasonal um fruit and veg which a lot of good independent um supermarkets and like you know family run businesses are kind of bringing into stock is like seasonal veg which you know it might mean through the winter you're eating a lot of like parsnip or whatever cabbage cabbage yeah, yeah. or but, brassicas you know great systems yeah and also, you know, they're, they're leading the way again, aren't they? Mm. So, they, so what we want to do is get behind systems like that because they're trying to normalise it, trying mm. to get it back to where it was at some stage when yeah. it was normalised. Yeah. I think it was like post-war, wasn't it? They had to bring in this thing, right? How do we feed this, the, the masses, right? Yeah. But um, you then, yeah, then you have those small independents, like even companies like Riverford, you know, and they, they're not only that, they're looking at sustainability, the environment so it's a it's a bigger picture again isn't it so mm. it's about how do i get the whole mechanism back to being more natural yeah yeah and then you know that it's grown with love it's about giving back to the earth and you know it's that's that's high vibrational right yeah rather than in a packet and disconnected and what is it you're absorbing but again get the digestion right mm. you know then we, so their physical right factor for what are the fundamental yeah, physical yeah, yeah. needs for a golf? No, tangent. Going off on tangents, yeah. So um, physical needs. So we could have like so. There's water there, isn't there? There's food. Yeah. Um, digestion and food has put them together. Yeah. Air, breathe, breath, yeah. sleep, rest, play, movement, 
sex. They're, I mean, they're kind of the foundations of it. Sunlight. Um, and then so, the social fundamental needs, right? So which we're, there's, we're all very much disconnected from. So there's uh, family, friends, community. And then that helps you kind of establish your role. Mm. And then what does the role enable you to do? Well, that's your independent thing, your uniqueness, what you download almost from the universe, yeah. right? Or the, the, the vessel in order to download whatever it is from the universe. And that enables you to then fit into the bigger social wheel, which is interdependence, right? Um, so that's a so, kind of a social system. And then interdependence you can even bring into what is then the spiritual sense, what is the spiritual, what are the spiritual needs, right? Mm. And I think it's just identifying that we are the plants, we are the rocks, we are the animals, right? Mm -hmm. Which is like, then that's one consciousness, right? Yeah. So that's kind of where I'm at with needs right now. Yeah. And how do I, how do I align that as much as my lifestyle with that? Yeah. And yes, that could be really overwhelming to look at right now. Like people who are listening, well, yeah. how the fuck do I do that? Just, I just say like movement, for instance, just pick movement for a month, right? How do I, again, how do I align that with what it might look like in nature? Yeah. Sleep, how does it look in nature? Let's do that for a month and then just keep topping it up. So every cycle, go back into it, right? I've done six months of changing, right? And now it's time to go back to movement again, right? Movement yeah. and just keep upgrading it because mm, it's an experience, right? It's, again, we're information rich, but we should all, all never be fearful of experience, yeah, right? And just exactly. go out, we have to experience more. So like we've got, you know, one life in this physical vessel, right? <laughs> Don't be afraid to live it. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Exactly. It's like we have to do it. Yeah. And it's like one of the things that I always talk about, and this this can go from any of those areas we just discussed and going back to that cycle that you were talking about is looking at things from a 1% point of view mm. and just think like each day, what can I do in all of those areas and add 1% to it? So it could be you're at your desk at work. It might mean that you at three o'clock, you've been sat down for six hours, you get up and you go for a five ten minute walk or it might mean that one percent might mean getting at least two liters of water in you or it might mean going to bed half an hour earlier or it might mean doing 10 minutes of breath work or you know you if you start to look at them as really small realistic goals because i think when you and this is you know what i've gone through as well is like when you look at it from a holistic point of view you can go like jeez like what like where do i start like where mm. am i trying to get to how do i get there I think once you break it down into really small little daily one percents, it makes it so much more achievable and you don't worry too much about the end goal. You just worry about, okay, what's the one percent I can do today that will add value to my tomorrow? And then when you get to the tomorrow, what's the one percent I can add on top of that to add to the next tomorrow? And it's it just makes things a bit more achievable. And I think like you said, when you break it down into either a cycle or little little things like that, it's a lot easier to manage a lot easier to start to add stuff to your day to yeah. to improve to change and you start to see over time that the small changes make a long lasting improvement in your life you know and i think that's like that I mean it's changed a lot for me like in my life and i think it's super powerful because we can get like okay you should be like doing 50 minutes of exercise you should be having 8 hours of sleep you should be and it's like <laughs> Well, firstly, uh, that's sheer arrogance, right? Yeah. It's like me telling you what you need to eat. Yeah, exactly. Right? It's like me giving you a book now, right? You need, you need to follow this. Yeah. When I have no idea about any of your cellular health, microbiome, any of that, what your energy is, yeah. all the things that might be affecting that. And again, like a movement practice, it's just sheer arrogance. It's really, I think by choosing that, like that incremental, just stage by stage by stage, and then mm. choosing any of the systems, right? It could be 
again, work, work on breath and then try and bring breath into everything you do. Mm. Let's just create a bigger picture. So right, this month it's breath. I'm going to bring, bring breath into how I move, how I eat, how I sleep, you know, how I digest, how I interact with others, my, my walk to the tube in the morning, my commute, how I approach the house in the evening when I arrive home before I enter the door. I'm just going to focus on breath, mm. you know, and just choose one of them and just keep working through it. And, you know, just that's that, that small, that small change, it will have a ma- massive impact. Yeah, right? Huge. You know? Yeah. Never underestimate that. And then where you get to, sorry, where you get to, you you understand what it is you need. Yeah. That's the key. I think we've lost sight of that. That there's the uniqueness, right? There is, we can't all be the same, right? Yeah. You know? And it isn't, you know, it it, it won't unravel that way. Yeah. And it will be more stressful for you because it might be that you're you're picking up on something and it's really making you empowered. And for me, it's not. And then I end up with, well, why is it? Why is it not working for me? And then that might end up, oh, I've tried. No, I tried that. Yeah, didn't work for me. And then already I have a bad impression of something. Right? Yeah, yeah. So, I, so it's funny you said it because I always have these conversations with people because, you know, people see the kind of content I'm creating through the podcast and stuff that I'm always talking about, and they come to me like, what should I do? How can I do like for advice? And I always flip it because I'm like, well, I can tell you, go and do these five things, but you might go and do these five things, and they might not work. So you need to figure out for yourself what those five things are. And it's like at the start of last year, I released um, an ebook, which is called Daily Positive, which touched on uh, five practices that I've, I've brought into my life mm. that I've, you know, using that 1% rule have helped change things around. So it was, uh, I can't remember them now. It was exercise, meditation, um, affirmations, uh, showing gratitude and I can't remember the fifth one off the top of my head but it's like five areas but that throughout the whole you know book I've literally said these have worked for me you have to find the thing that works for you I might be saying okay I go to the gym at seven o'clock in the morning and I go and do like a weights workout that might not be the one for you you might what might suit you better is going for a swim or going for a long walk or doing netball mm. or Pilates or yoga do you know what I mean it's like you, ha- you have to find the thing that works for you within your life you can't take everyone else's mantra as gospel because then you're just trying to you're not taking yourself into account you're just trying to achieve an outcome yeah. that you're not you're not like it goes back to the thing isn't it, of like breaking down the fundamentals and going actually what are my fundamental needs that work uniquely for me so that I can then start to see these improvements instead mm. of going oh look that guy's doing this thing I'm going to, I'm going to follow what he does because it works for him. Like, exactly. Work it out for you, like break it down and really figure it out. Well, also sit in that and breathe within that. And yeah, find out yeah. what is the mechanism within me that wants me to look at what others are doing. Yeah. Why is it in the external world and why can I not find it in my internal world yeah. to make the decision? I have like a 20, I have an 80, 20 or 20, 80. So I would say I had a great mentor and it, it kind of worked that way that you'd have 20% um, input to get 80% output, right? So then you could say, right, okay, five things I want to work on, right? So mm-hmm. that's 20%, that's 100% then. And then even within that, your 20% of things that work within a breath practice for you might be different to me, right? Yeah. Because you, you just 20% input, rather than fill it up with 80% input mm. and only get 20% output, yeah. right? It's fine, almost like the overlap. What is it that I can really just, in the limited time we have, 
yeah. you know, because we are quite limited now, right? Yeah. Well, we think we are. Exactly. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's so subjective, right? Yeah, but exactly. When you start to look at it, look at it that way and get systems in place, then we can stretch time a little more. Yeah. And what's one thing then, like, if, if you know, going back to what we were just saying about not giving people advice, but, yeah. you know, if, if someone came, if I came to you and said, right, Tony, look, this is my situation. I get up in the morning. I have my breakfast, I go to work, I'm at my desk for nine hours, I have a 10 minute lunch break. I haven't got much room in my day to like go out and about and go for walks and take phone calls on the move. And, you know, I'm kind of stuck at my desk in a way. What are ways that people can introduce things like movement to their day? And also like you're saying like the breath work and the things that we can do during that nine hour window where we think we can't get stuff done because we're stuck at our desk or at work. Yeah. But are there ways that you can, we can incorporate those things into our office lives as well? Absolutely. I think, yeah, we've touched on sleep. I think sleep yeah. is probably the most important element of that is to just get the environment set up right. So yeah. even if you have a crappy night of six hours sleep, yeah. you haven't messed with your hormones or your metabolism because you've had the lighting right yeah. and the air quality right. Yeah. You know? Do you know what? Just to, sorry to, 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 to jump in but I just uh, was listening to an interview a few months ago of Kobe Bryant the mm. basketball player and he was talking about I can't remember the exact question but it was like what's like you know you've got this routine and you're an athlete and you have to work out and you know what, what's the most important thing that you do and he just straight up was like sleep Yeah. he said no matter what I make sure I get 8 to 10 hours sleep a day and that might mean okay he might only sleep 6 hours a night but that might mean he gets 2 hour sleeps in throughout the day which I found was really yeah, fascinating like, coming from an athlete. Um, right? mm-hmm. There's poly, the polyphases are there, aren't they? Like how many one and a half hour cycles are yeah. you getting? And then try and get that, that a number win within a, t- within a day. And then don't obsess about what's coming in the night. Again, just make sure the environment is set up so that you don't necessarily have to be asleep. You can be like the hunter-gatherer getting mm-hmm. 5.7 to 7.1. It doesn't matter because the, the habitat's the right. Then um, I think trying to manage your the sleep cycle so that you're waking in the lightest part of the sleep understand the, those better spend a bit of time just understanding your sleep because mm. it's it is a priority right just getting that will set you up for your day um first thing open your eyes because we all have to do that right what do you do what do you do immediately um try not to have your device in your bedroom because it's human nature you're going to smash the dopamine the moment you get your eyes mm. open so remove that factor. But Tony, it's my alarm clock. What can I do? I need it to wake me up. Put it on flight mode. Have it across the room so you can't get to it immediately. Yeah. Um, I would then look at just simple pandiculation. Pandiculation is only... Cat, cats don't stretch. They pandiculate. So mm. they have this, you see them rippling through their spine and just opening up. It's not a, it's not a static stretch. It's just that. So mobilize your ankles, your wrists... And then just have your eyes closed again and just work through 10 cycles of breath. In through the nose, out through the mouth. In through the nose, out through the mouth. Mm. Prep your day with that. I, I often start my day immediately with a gratitude practice, like straight in. You know, these are the things I'm grateful for. And then out of that room, make the bed immediately. It's important. Yeah. Um, First task of the day complete. Yeah, done. Yeah. Take it off. And then, I, and then I, I start moving. I get mobility and movement in first. Um, particularly locomotive joints. I think it's really important just to get that framework in. Yeah. Which joints are they? Well, again, you're mobilizing joints. So, you you know, ankle, knee, hip, um, and then some rolling patterns and stuff. And, you know, just a bit of mobility work, even through hamstrings and just 
and then sit and I sit for a bit again, go for a bit of breath, all of 10 minutes, mm. you know, it's no time at all. Yeah. Um, and then I prep my, I do a big smoothie in the morning, get a matcha going, all the ceremonies of that. I run a cold bath and um, I have a breathing app I work with. It's very, so simple. Yeah, what's the app? It's called Breathing App. It's by um, Eddie Stern. Okay. Um, and it sounds like this. So it gives you a signal. That's the inhale. Okay. So simple, right? That's the exhale. Yeah. So you just fo- you just follow the rhythm of that, and you just put it on for however many minutes. Put that on for five minutes usually. Yeah. By the side of the bath, get in the bath, and just sit and just tune into that. Yeah. And I take on anything after that. Yeah, Everything's yeah. just in the left. It leave whatever it is in the water. Um, some people might need to smash coffee and God knows what else to get their eyes open. Honestly, think just cold showers and cold baths yeah. in the morning is the big thing for me. Um, cold shower I always find is less honest. You know, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. Kind of dance around a bit in there, <laughs> and uh, you know, might get might get a bit cold, might not. Yeah. Depending on how, but the cold bath, it's it's you're in or you're out. You yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. It's like so. Then I get the breath going with that, um, and then I choose to try and I try and take ten percent of my pace out of the day. So I nasal breathe again, walking. Mm-hmm. and I, I I recognize there's a walk. So I tune into the walk itself, like rolling through the ankle to the big toe, you know, and then I keep my head up and my chest up. I want to observe what's going on around me. Um, and also if there's, if there's a really bright sky, I want that in my eyes, you know, to mm-hmm. wake the system up. Um, I still catch the tube. So I, I will often choose the stairs or the escalators yeah. over anything. Um, and then on the tube, I will choose not to sit. Yeah. So you've just admitted you might have to sit all day. Mm-hmm. Um, the majority of that tube, the the commute in the morning, most of those people will be sitting all day. Yet they're in the mad rush to get to the chair on the tube. Yeah. Right. So I would go onto the tube, try and tube surf. Actually, just get into your feet. Try and avoid holding a rail. Be near one if you're less confident. Yeah. And just use the tube as an opportunity to tune in and try and get stable on it. Switches on all the stabilizers on the tube, right? Mm. So it's an, an opportunity to just get a micro hit of stability. Like people went to power plate classes years ago, right? Yeah, the tube yeah. is a power plate, right? Exactly. So tune into that. Then I see a lot of brachiation injuries, shoulder injuries. So I recommend getting your hands up on the rails, just trying to use grip strength and then lift your feet off. Yeah. Um, so hang for a little bit on there. Yeah. And depending on how busy it is, I, I often squat on the tube as well. So I yeah. find that opportunity. That's that, right? And then I get off the tube. I don't rush. I do basically I take the pace out by 10%. And it gives me an opportunity to observe everyone's behavior around me and observe my own behavior. And then I start to see the difference between yeah. am I tuning in or am I tuned out? And because I see it's like being in one of those movies where... <laughs> the person's in slow-mo and all this stuff's happening yeah. really fast around them yeah. and you get to see crazy behaviour right, all around you. So it's kind of tuning into that. It's not a criticism or a judgment of anyone else's behaviour. It's just to observe. observe uh, this it, is yeah. what it's like to just slow things down a little and that's what it looks like to be ramped up and you'll be amazed at what you observe through that. Then when you get to the office environment, say you have to sit for eight to ten hours, <clears throat> um, I would set a timer on the desk. The desk is a compromising environment, right? Mm. So how do you flip it from being a compromised environment into a growth-promoting environment? 
you could bring peace lilies, plant any of those plants again into that environment. Um, you could have amber, de- amber glasses sitting on your desk if you have to work late. I would then, again, have the timer on the desk, gets the 20 minutes, ding, timer goes off, slide your chair back, hold the edge of the desk, um, squat, mm. and use the desk as an anterior support. It doesn't look weird. It's not like you're doing exercise reps of squats. You're yeah. just basically holding the edge of the desk with the chair just behind you or to the side, and you allow your heels to pop up. So you're kind of resting on the, the, on the balls the, of your feet, on the, balls of your feet yeah. and the big toes. <clears throat> and that then will re- get you reset from being a sitting primate into an upright yeah. bipedal primate again yeah. and then I go and walk yeah. how, how many squats would, would would you do I just 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 even one squat's yeah. enough okay. just stay down there and just bounce a little bit in the position try and move a bit around stand up how's it feel and then go back to it if necessary and then go and walk mm. you know if you're into sets and reps do five reps yeah you know just it depends how it feels it's independent individual yeah. specific again um, I'm trying to make it let's try to get as general as possible, yeah, of course, right? Yeah. And then just go and have a wonder, go and have a wonder around the space, and then get back to your desk. You know what can happen when we sit for long periods of time like that? You get blood pooling and you get stagnation. And you know we read a lot about flow states, creativity, being alert, being on your game. You know how do you want to be in your day? So mm. if you sit there and stagnate, are you going to be ticking those boxes? Absolutely not. Movement flow are they aligned absolutely so you have to be able to move um the other thing is nature scenes there's a lot of information around there that hospitals healing people in hospitals that had nature scenes next to them it sped up the healing process right but there's also studies on they show people within a book here's an urban setting and they drop into a sympathetic um fight and flight state they show them a storm sympathetic fight and flight state and then they show them a nature scene calm kind of forest bathing kind of yeah, information yeah. and again they drop into a parasympathetic state which is rest and digest so have even as a screensaver make sure it's nature mm. have something there just a reminder ah ding there you go um and try you know try and measure that how much time you are outside that's the one thing i think that we all need to be working on you know that's a prescription that for me yeah. it's like 90% of your time is indoors, fair enough. Make You know, we're an urban species, fair enough, but try and get your 10%. Set a timer, try and work towards 10%, which is two hours, 24 minutes. Yeah. Work towards that per day. Otherwise, it's literally like you go from one linear box, yeah. starved of the experience, starved of the natural microbiotic experience, starved of the sensorial experience, and then you go on the same mode of transport with the same bacterial sensory experience to the same office experience so you know we're we we are there's a sensory deprivation that will occur through that and when you start to understand neuroplasticity and the capability of the brain in rewiring and wiring Mm. you know that we need new new experience so it's nature will provide that you never step in the same river twice you know (laughs) this room will be the same tomorrow yeah but that out there won't be yeah it's forever changing right I mean, seconds in seconds, it's changed. So it's, there is a new sensory experience with that. Um, we hear lots of yeah, but it's all right. I live near Hampstead, and people say yeah, but it's all right for you. You live near Hampstead, right? London's got it's insane, man. It's yeah. like three thousand parks, three thousand parks, right? Thirty thousand um, allotments, right? Yeah, and three million gardens, right? Yeah. 
eight million trees, right? So, so it's like they class it as like it's it's basically an urban forest, right? Yeah, we have that. So, it's um, it's going out and experience that. There might even be a walk along the local canal or something like that. Mm. You know, it's still dropping into something that will help you understand yeah. what it is to be natural. So, there's some tips. Breath work. You know, I think breath is a you know it's a big one because it helps cross over. Um, so Alex, you might have a really right. You might have to go into a stressful meeting, yeah. or even an email. Emails can be like that. We get a bit upregulated over it, right? Yeah. And then we're writing an email from the six-year-old brain, right? Yeah. You know, basically, when we're when we're not in in ourselves and being present, we often drop into what's the earliest years, right? Mm-hmm. First six years of life. So, if there's any trauma occurred in there, then you don't want that playing out in an email, right? Yeah. So, um. Breath again, take it back to Pyrrhus and Parasympathetic. That breathing app's amazing. It has one with a that has sound, another one just with a disc, and disc grows and then it shrinks again. You just follow that rhythm. Mm-hmm. I had an interview with Sky News um, before going on my run. Yeah. And I just sat, I was in a big Sky office, you know, yeah. just sat outside <laughs> my breathing app like that. And then I went on. And I've, and she went, you're so calm. It's so good being around you. And I was like, yeah, okay, just breath work. Just breathe, yeah. You know, just breathe before you go into the experience. Otherwise, I would have been like really just upregulated. Yeah. So that might mean the email. It might mean the phone call. If there's any parents out there, that does, actually, this doesn't have to be parents, but I'll, I'll make it relatable because I'm a parent. Right? Yeah. So um, I've had, it could be today, uh, we have, I've coached someone this morning, podcast, I've got to get some yoga mats over to somewhere because we use them on the workshop at the weekend. Then I've got to be on the radio this afternoon. Um, there's two phone calls booked in. There's, you know, so things can get ramped up, right? Mm-hmm. And then I've probably got the tube ride. So I've got all that chaos going on on the tube. I'm amongst all that weird energy, the frequency of it. Then I'm going to arrive at the front door when I get home. My kids have been waiting for me then for six to eight hours. Yeah. And that's a long time for a child, right? Who do they want to receive when they when the when I go in the house do they want to see papa like how they expect papa to be or do they want the imposter that's carrying all that shit with him yeah so I often stop at the door if I feel upregulated and I just go back to the breath yeah I think that's powerful yeah long inhale longer exhale 10 cycles doesn't take any time at all Mm. right six cycles of four seconds in six seconds out is a minute right Mm. spend a minute at the door before going in Everyone has a minute. If you don't, you're nuts, right? So then you just then I just go in and, and then I'm a completely different being for that. And that doesn't have to be the, 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 me in the role of the papa. That could be the husband, yeah. the partner, whoever you are. Yeah. Every relationship will benefit from you dumping that crap outside the front door before going in, you know? And also within the home environment, if you feel like you're getting upregulated about something, it's often not the person that you think it's not them it's your perception of them because our Mm. perception of reality is often different like we have a different perception of this reality right now the room you know based on what our first templates were yeah and the more stressed i get the more it upregulates that whole perception of the room so someone's behavior might get irritated irritating it's Mm. me that's irritated not them being irritated yes i then take it again back to the breath identify uh, what is it i'm what is it i'm what what is this teaching me what 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 am i here to learn and receive from this yeah simple stuff yeah and it's not woo woo it's just like it's basics yeah i think it's it's the i find it's always almost having the mindfulness to do it because we can get caught up in the day 
and we can it's so easy to go through a day isn't it and just not do any of that and just oh, I forgot I'll do it tomorrow but it's like you have to have the mindfulness and the reminders like I said even if it's setting timers or if you know that your commute is going to be an hour to get home maybe set your reminder on your phone for 55 minutes so before you get to the door you've had that reminder to yeah. stop and do, yep. do you know what I mean just I always find that the more simple I can break things down in my own mind and make them seem easy the easier it then becomes to do and that might mean being almost too prepared with setting reminders mm. and this and that and the other but ultimately you're just benefiting yourself and it's like if you can do that you can then benefit everyone else isn't it and absolutely and then the signal gets stronger yeah and then you don't need the reminders so much yeah because you suddenly trust in that innate nudge ah oh, i felt better when i did that yeah therefore i'm going to do this and and you're you almost it's a way of self-coaching and, and encouraging your the self yeah to make the improvement you go one step further you could put a plaque on your door with just breathe yeah 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 you know and everyone will benefit from that right? yeah yeah and so the, something that really fascinates me about you is your home life right because i know like you removed all the chairs from your house. Mm -hmm. um, I've seen videos on your Instagram of you and your kids doing like all sorts of like crazy wild things in the living room. So how, how are they, how do, I mean, to them it's probably a normal thing, but how do they adapt to that compared to like, you know, you've got them doing all these things at, at home and then they go into another environment like a classroom or something and it, that is different. There's chairs and there's like, what's their kind of adaptation to it all? Because they're coming into it like super young, they're 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 almost untarnished yet. They're they're like yes. a clean slate, you know. Yeah, no, we're, they're divine beings, right? Yeah. Well, we're all divine beings. It's, we we've got to try and figure out. We're trying to navigate right now. If you're listening to podcasts and yeah. conversations, and we're trying to rewild and reconnect. Yeah. Wear empowered t-shirts and God knows what else. When yeah. they are just wild, connected and empowered beings. Yeah. So what do we do to? Um, keep nurturing it and for me it was like well again just keep sink, sinking with ways of living that are more in line with human biology right so the stuff that i put up there is just they're just it's just movement it's just we're just playing and when you understand play there's a great guy peter gray who wrote a book called free to learn mm -hmm. and he and it's basically an unschooling book really because we unschool and it's to address how does play look like in what does childhood look like in nature that's the best way to start right yeah because again we look at nature well, what's an example of childhood and they say like kids from infancy through to the age of 16 all they do is play that's all mm. they do right so and then they go into adulthood prepared so who teaches them no one it's not adult led it's just child led but they learn through observ observation so they're observing the adult species right within their tribe to become adults yeah. without the adults teaching them. So they learn how to track the animals. They learn how to make fire, shelter. They, again, we could argue it's the closest thing to one consciousness because they've literally been everything in the environment to yeah. make them more human, right? The experience of being human. So then we have to then say, well, how does that, how does the human behavior, the adult behavior, how does it play out in the zoo? Mm. For the young people to observe to become adults so that's for me was always well i've got to check my behavior the moment i become a parent was i need to basically this is responsibility now Yeah, because the kids are learning from what they're seeing they you just, do right they, exactly they're, it's not verbal that's the thing we think it's all verbal because we've we've gone through a schooling system yeah. where it's where it's trying to cookie cut us and send us out into the world independent but all the same yeah right with the same <laughs> education but you must be independent right 
Whereas our role was always, well, we need to create an environment that enables my child to remain empowered, right? And so we don't send them to school. We, we unschool them. Mm. Unschooling is, again, it's not a curriculum because that would be us adult leading the education. It's child-led. It's whatever they're interested in. Mm -hmm. But then you have to be really mindful of your behavior around them. So the, with the environment is always the environment that they're being nurtured in and the behaviors that are in that environment. Because the first seven years of your life will be the tapes you play out for the rest of your life. So that's where it's normalized. For so them, to the to people outside our tribe, it looks socially extreme. Yeah. But it's by again, it's always biologically normal. It's biologically normal not to have furniture. Yeah. It's just it's socially normal here. And in some cultures they again, of course they don't have furniture, so it's normalized there. Just we have a different filter. So my kids we ground live, we have a ground living table, you know, we have mindfulness at mealtime. You know, we have the house shuts down at a certain time. We downregulate. Um, they have just natural foods the whole time. Um, and of course, they, they, what you start to do, because we unschool, we, we've then, we then build a tribe of people that are aligned in a way. Mm -hmm. You know, so without going into a schooling system, it means that they're not just basically normalizing other behavior. It's kind of like we lived in Ibiza for a period of time again where it was the behaviors much more biological we lived in the north of the island right yeah. so we're living a bit like it was like pseudo bohemia we yeah. were like you weren't in the party town <laughs> no we we're like the hippies on the in the north right yeah. um and again it was normalized right so they got to walk around naked most of the time and you know and just and people ground lived it was just the norm you know it's very organic and the mm. foods are much more organic and it was just out in the sun early sun not in the toxic sun understanding sleep better they've just become really powerful beings for that even down to the fact like Tallulah we never had nappies with her she never had a nappy mm. so we never had to teach her to poop in something and then tell her that what we told her was wrong and now you don't do it anymore do you know yeah. what I mean to confuse them further this other thing yeah you know a difference like, no yeah. you don't do that you must do this no don't do that I'm wrong do this you know, it's like a massive confusing message. And at the same time, we have more faith in our pet animals to potty train them than we do our own kids, the yeah. most intelligent species, right? So it was, for us, it was just always about, right, how do, we, how do we just keep nurturing them? And that made, for Tallulah, it meant that she was always heard. It's like the, the, nut, the understanding the trust within yourself again, that 1% or 20% yeah. that you have to choose. Yeah. Her thing is that she made a signal to need to go to the toilet and we were there present and we could pick up on the signal really early and we yeah. knew what it was. And then she knew we were listening and then her signals would get stronger, you know? So within a year, like she was standing up rock climbing at one year's of wow. age, right? Yeah. You know, because she just, she didn't sit in chairs. She lived on the ground. We all lived on the ground. So she always saw the same movements. It wasn't like, I want to get on that chair because you're an adult and you're on a chair. Mm. So we didn't create like the Renaissance period <laughs> yeah. of the chair, which no one else had. Yeah. And then suddenly all the nobles had chairs. We weren't allowed them. And yeah, then, yeah. Oh no, you can have a chair, you peasant. And then we all emotionally <laughs> attached to this chair, right? It wasn't like that for her, you know? So we had no car seat, no stroller, nothing. And yeah. she's, I mean, they were just super strong kids. Well, they are super strong kids for it. The movement sessions I do with them. Again, it's me just saying, right, I'm going to have a move around now. And they just join in. I don't say, right, you must work out now with me because mm. it's not, it's not, it's not adult led. I'm just playing and I play with movement and they just want to play with me. Yeah. And then I just whack a hyperlapse on and record it so other people can see, well, yeah. wow, this is, this is what we can be doing with our kids. And the same as 
ground living, we co-sleep, right? We don't have a bed. We just have like a wool, organic woolen topper. Yeah. Um, like a, it's a super emperor thing. It's massive, but it means we can all get on it. And then when we're done, you can roll it up and then you create another space. Yeah. Okay. You yeah, know? Because yeah. we're, we're, you know, you think of what you pay per square meter in London. We just fill it full of furniture. Yeah. yeah. You know, and you have these amazing spaces <laughs> that you can just keep your kids moving in. Yeah. And they need space, right? All kids need space. And, and then also don't create a home that they can't express or experience within mm. it. Don't try and cage them within that environment. Leave, leave them to, if they want to climb things, let them climb it. Mm. Um, don't let your fear-based language get in the way. I think what you what you have to be able to do, though, is be available to them and be able to show them. So mm. I think part of this process, what I call rewilding, is that we have to rewild certain things within us yeah. to create the appropriate behavior for them to observe, right? So it's like this middle bit here. There's wild beings over here, yeah. wild kids over there. And if they could just observe these people over here, everything would be all right in the world. But we've got this bit in the middle and that's where we need to understand or reconnect with ways of living again that are more aligned with nature yeah. so they can remain more natural. Yeah. I think that's wicked. I think what you just said about the, the co-sleeping is that's a great idea. Like just having, like you said, a topper that you can just roll out, completely transform a room or a part of a room into something different and roll it back up and it's back to what you need it to be or different environment to do different things. And it's changing then. It's not Mm. always the same space, you know? Yeah. So from a sensory perspective, it's you open things up again. Yeah. And you open up to play. It's always trying, how do you take things back to a more playful way? You know, Um, Stuart Brown, like the founder of the Institute of Play, Mm -hmm. has a saying, um, the opposite of play isn't work, it's depression, you know? Yeah. And so how do we bring more play into the day? And it's like, well, for me, it's kids are great for mm. that, you know? Yeah. How do you let them express their like creativity and not, and not just like a playful way in a kind of like, like a, like a mental creativity, like, you know, these days, you know, kids will be fixed at their PlayStation or watching TV or some might play music or some might paint or, yeah. What's the kind of, have you got like a process there you like have, how do they express that for themselves? Well, again, um, part of revolution is creativity. Yeah. So you don't have to be taught to be creative. Again, you just need the environment. Mm. So we just leave them to play. And so you might come back one day and they're, Tallulah's um, a dog and she wants to be the dog for the day. Yeah. And then Millie's a completely different character walking around and feeding her. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and you're like... For a moment there. It's like, and then you have to deal with your own kind of compromise adult thinking. Yeah. And they're just playing it. So she's being a dog because she sees dogs in our adult environment. And that's that, right? The next thing they might be, they might be wrapped up in Harry Potter, right? So mm. they actually just become Harry Potter, the characters of Harry Potter for a whole week, chasing each other around with wands, right? For the whole week. Then Lola suddenly was like, I'm going to read now. And she's self-taught read and she will now pick up any book and read it. She's now on, um, I I had a few publishers meetings and I was given a book on um, how to become zero waste in six weeks. Okay, yeah. She's read it. Really? You know, she's 10, right? Now now that's her thing, right? So, um, So it's not, again, it's whatever they're interested in. 
it's available to them. So all our books are there. If they want to read something, then they just read it. Mm. Um, she's done Greek myths. Wow. You know, she's done Norse myths and she, she's, she's 10 or she might love Harry Potter and just pile through that and become Harry Potter for a week. Yeah. Um, they're always drawing. They could be up because we get, we're all up really early because we honour the sleep cycle. So they're up easily by 6am. Mm. And there this morning, I think they're already playing with clay and drawing and being characters again. And Tallulah was cutting carrots with a really sharp knife and she's three, mm. you know? Because it's just, again, it's natural, it's normal. It's just we have, again, I don't know, it's, it's just templates, isn't it? Yeah. And so um, we're innately creative. So again, it's what is it within the environment? And we could say that, you know, the schooling environment for some, there's Maria Montessori's work, it's called The Absorbent Mind. And The Absorbent Mind might be, Alex right now wants to know about creativity, right? Mm -hmm. So you're absorbent to it. So if I find the window of opportunity, it might be two minutes that I might have two minutes to give you everything I know on creativity. And then you'll have this look in your eye, like yeah. glazed, I'm done. Then you're done. You're no longer absorbent. Yeah. So there's no point in me teaching you any more into that subject because you're done. So the absorption is done. That's like the 20, 80 rule, right? I've given yeah, yeah. you the 20% input, go away, 80% output, whatever you want. And then, and then the next subject, then the next subject. And that's what you, that's what you see in unschooling kids is that they're, because it's all child-led. If you flip that and put it into a class environment with, say, 30 kids of today, four of those kids might be being absorbent. Mm. And the rest of them might be like, what the fuck is he talking about, you know? And then the other kids of four are going, oh, this is amazing, yeah, and really involved in it. Yeah. And the rest of the kids are going, what's wrong with me? Why don't I get this, mm. you know? Because they're just not being absorbent to it. So then, there's, then you then you start to have negative connotations, negative responses to something that should be really innate, which is learning, yeah. right? And I, I know I suffered in that environment, yeah, right? you know. Um, whereas Katerina, on the other hand, she's re she's really academic. She had an amazing time learning. She had, went to uni, masters in psychology. But at the same time, she's like, well, it's just not the way to learn. Mm. We're free to learn, you know? It's like, how do we how do we keep nurturing that? Yeah. So the other side of that unschooling experience is integration. And we get hit a lot with that. It's like, yeah, but how do you socially integrate your kids? And I'm like, well, you know, social integration, I, from what I understand from school is that I wasn't there to socialize. Mm. I was being taught I needed to learn. That's yeah. what the experience Sharp is. Sharp and listen. Kind Sharp of, and listen. Yeah. Sit still. No running in the corridors. You're not allowed to move. Yeah. You must sit still. Hand and up if you want to get and up you from must, the desk. Yeah, yeah I'm, the, I'm the authority here. My chair's higher than yours and you're all down there and you must behave in the way that I choose fit. And also we, we have to understand that, you know, when you hand someone, a child over to that experience is the energy that's within that experience as well. This is an elder. You're handing your child over to an elder for that child to observe that behavior. Yeah. Is that person the best example of a human being. That's the way I look at it. Because my role as a parent is to become the best example of a human being, for my child to become a better human. Mm. And so is the teacher also within that experience? Because that's social integration as well, isn't it? It's not just the children. It's the, the person that's guiding or holding space. Yeah. And I'll give you an, an understanding of my one of my English teachers, because his name is Greg, Greg Davis. Mm. He was the headmaster yeah. from In Between Us. In Between Us, yeah, yeah. And he sat with his feet up on the desk with a Walkman on, yeah. right? More often not hung over, right? Yeah. And that was who was holding space for me as a kid. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So most, it, it's sad because 
we don't, we, firstly, we don't respect the role enough. We don't pay teachers enough, right, for that role. Mm-hmm. They also, from teachers I speak to, they know the role is broken because it's such a dinosaur of the educational system. Oh, yeah. It's not preparing anyone for any, anything for the modern world of today. No. Kids it's can an just Google system, kid, isn't yeah, it? industrial yeah. system. Kids can just Google this shit, right? Mm. What, do they need, what do they need this person for? So I guess that 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 goes through it. So then we also know that then there's suffering within mm. the teacher's role are they getting their needs met no if they're suffering then they're suffering then we use pacifiers for the suffering so there's probably drugs and alcohol in there right there's definitely late nights and lack of sleep and you know what i mean so then so that's also for me was do i really want my child socially integrating in that environment yeah and then with with unschooling again you just have you have the you have the ability to find other parents that are doing the same and that's where social media comes in the best social integration platform you can find mm-hmm. if you choose to use it well and yep. wisely. Um, and then we just find other families and then we, so they go climbing once a week with a, with, a, with, a, with six other families. They go to forest school on a Thursday, which means they're just outdoors the whole time learning bushcraft and yeah. stuff like that, which is incredible nice. with other kids doing the same thing. So that's no matter what the weather, they're out there. Yeah. Um, and then we're, with six families, we then, um, rotate to different homes and they take on activities and the kids choose what the activity is they want to work on and that's kind of yeah you know the way it, the way it rolls but yeah. we're, I mean we're privileged to be able to do it right? yeah of course we've set a lifestyle up whereas we were dedicated we dedicated our life to that right? mm. this is what we're going to do for them and this is how we're going to make it work it was never about um, this is our time now yeah. you know yeah. I hear that a lot it's like oh well the kids have been at school all day you know, all day out of your hands anyway, and then, but you still need your time. Yeah. You know? I suppose, again, it comes down to, like, being in school, they're being taught or shown as well to be one way, and then they might come home from school and, you know, like a parent might be trying to teach them or show them to be another way, and for a kid it could become very confusing because they're being told by two or or more than one authoritative figure this is how you need to be in one environment and then you get into another environment. It's like, this is how you need to be in this environment. Instead of, like you said, let the child lead and let them show you how they want to be and what they want to do and how they want to play and create and make and mess up and learn and everything else, isn't it? Like what, so what, because I've got a big thing about the school system of like, I always say, if you went to school 100 years ago and you went to school today, you're learning the same thing. <laughs> And yeah. it's like, what has changed in that school system versus what has changed in the world? So I think there's a lot of things, a lot of things that need to happen within the school system. So for you, what would be some changes that you would like to see in the school system? They don't have to be like massively extreme, but like, what are some things that we can start integrating into those areas that, that kids can start having that little bit of ownership or you know, introducing more movement to their days or whatever it may be, just like, you know, if that, if you've got that eight hour window in a school, what, what changes would you like to see within that? Um, I mean, firstly, I'd, I'd actually just screw the whole thing up mm. and just start again, I think would be the best thing, but we can't do it that way. So um, there's schools that are already on the path and more progressive anyway, that are already switching to forest schools because they understand they need to get the kids out. Yeah. Um, so like the recommendations what would I do with an adult you just place into that environment too um, I guess you could then figure out what 
a child's play personality is, what their personality type is, mm -hmm. you know, um, from the earliest age going in. It's almost like how quickly can we understand them going in? And there will be some similarities then. So then you'll know that the way that they learn and then the way to teach them how to learn. Yeah. You know? So if you were, if you had certain ways of processing within that, you'd understand the teacher or the environment would know how that child processes individually within that habitat mm. rather than trying to push the same, again, push the same agenda in education. Yeah. And I guess you then, you then just create an environment for them to play and move in and what they're being observed. Just have the material available because yeah. we have it now. That's that's the crazy thing about it. We just have it at the, in our fingertips, this, right? Mm. Whatever I need to know right now, I can just find out on this. What's the point in the education? You could almost say that, you know, what is it you want to do? What is the unique thing in this child that could... And this is interdependence again. Yeah. This isn't looking at you as an independent. It's basically saying, well, independently, what is their unique skill? And to find that in the beginning... And then just keep nurturing that and keep nurturing that and keep nurturing that. And then the rest is just a bolt on it. It will happen. Yeah. It's like Lola, my eldest, is just incredibly just creative, right? She's mm -hmm. really creative. Millie, we call her Mighty Millie because she's just, just like, she's strong, man. Yeah, she's yeah. Just, <laughs> and she's incredibly active and has no interest in reading. It doesn't mean she won't read and I'm not going to push it. I'm just wait until there's a moment with her and it flips and she goes... I want to. I want to do this now, Papa. Yeah. And then we sit down, and so it's it's being able to create an environment for that to exist in, and it has to happen in the early years. Yeah. It has sure. to be the early years. Um, I guess I'd go more towards. I'd be more inclined to move towards kind of the Scandinavian system, where you you know they wouldn't even be the intellectual brain wouldn't be brought into play until seven. Yeah. So if you look at the layering system there, you've got like the first last trimester plus. The first three years is your emotional development. Yeah. And then you have an imagination brain that then gets you into the intellectual brain. So at seven, you're then into the intellectual work. Um, so I guess you would, in those seven years will be, that's where the work is. And that will set them up because yeah. they understand themselves far better emotionally and understand their imagination. And then with the imagination, they can then know about different worlds and what they want to learn. Mm. If you hit that too early with the intellectual brain you know we we start reading writing far too early yeah you know whereas they could be playing all that time yeah and i think it's like it, for me it comes down to a thing of like preparing children for life mm. not for society for want of a better word probably but like you know there's no reason why at 12 13 you need to be learning about you know pythagoras's theorem or, or whatever it's like we should be learning other skills like, you know, what, what are the things when you get to an adult life that you need to be prepared for? Mm. And that could be like cooking. It could be, you know, making sure you're active and all those sorts of things. And it's, I think we need to look at that and take it back and go, right, how can we start to incorporate these things into this school environment so that we're not just sitting these kids down and going, learn this, learn this, learn this, learn this, read that, do that, take this test and measuring it on that. We should be measuring it on what are we preparing them for? Because like I said, the world has changed massively. Like I said, you can pick up your phone, you can learn anything right now. You could you could sit down for an hour and you could have learned a new skill. You could teach yourself how to edit a video or take some yep, photos or exactly. how to do a certain stretch or, you know, it's all there. So it's like, 
what around that is it that we should be encouraging is kind of my big thing imagine if the result was the schooling system is about teaching you how to not even use this device Mm. but to use this device exactly how do i know if 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 there's an educational system so these are your fundamental physical social spiritual needs yeah this is this that then will give you this empowering position of a human being and then we will help guide what it is you think that you what direction you want to go in as a human being. Yeah. What are your skills, you uniquely? And if we stripped all the stuff where we're trying to push an education on them, people would understand what it is they want to do. Mm. And then it's about just being of service, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So it's like, well, okay, so through that process, I learned what it is to be human and to be of service. What, what more could I offer the world? Yeah. Right? It, it always feels like there should be a system which is like, instead of testing the kids of what they've learned at the school... The kids should be testing the school on how much they've enjoyed it and what they've learned. Yeah. So you should say to them, these are the three areas of, you know, social, uh, social, physical and spiritual or emotional, you know, whatever. And then get them to almost grade the school based on their experience in each of those rather than it being the other way around and going, okay, yeah. what have you learned at school? Oh, yeah, you're yeah. either clever or you've passed the test or you haven't or good grades, bad grades, whatever. Yeah. Would you say we tick the box on movement for you today? Yeah. Would you say you managed to cover this today? Yeah, yeah it's the it's, a, it's and how much have you enjoyed it's it? Slipping it, and and you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be happy. Yeah, like how do we make you into a happy human? You know, yeah, so true, isn't it? Isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Now that I think about it, I'm like, geez, why don't they do that? Uh, I'm gonna have to have a well, word. It's, and- <laughs> again, it's a, it's difficult. It's a difficult process, isn't it? Because you know, it's, it's, some people excel in that education. Yeah, you know, like some people excel in an exam. Yeah, exactly. You know, even just to give them within that system as it is now, because you can't change it, is to say, well, these are the things that these are the things that we can do to improve. Mm. You know, I went to a school called Beedales, and um, they had a their um, receptions called Dun Dunanny, and it's they're meant to be considered really progressive. This school Beedales, yeah. and again, so you know, you might be looking at a table, let's say, where you could have more kids around a table rather than individual desks. And then you throw an assignment in the middle and they work as a team to do the assignment. Yeah. And then you're graded on the assignment. So Bedales, for instance, so the Dunanny, it's like the the woman in charge of the head in charge there. She's looking at rewilding the kind of environment. She wants, you know, the kids to be out more, you know, get movement back in you then would bring green into the environment again bring more nature into the classroom environment if you can't get them out yeah you know so there's stuff you can do within the environment already which is Mm. no different to what you do in an office environment yeah yeah you know but i think the also the it's the it's the teacher within that environment you know how do we help them Mm. you know yeah fall back in love with something they probably was their initial thing i want to become a teacher yeah how do we enable them to hold on to that you know that's true and that again would be right get their physical social spiritual needs met and then they won't be suffering yeah you know and to do that there probably has to be a massive pay grade for something that's so important Mm. you know that's putting those children into adulthood and out into the world you see it's a lot of years right they say you retain like five percent of your education Mm. So some kids are in education for 16 years, right? So you've spent 16 years of your life to remember 5% of something. Yeah, crazy. That's pretty flawed, right? That's that 80-20 balance is well out there, isn't it? It's a flawed system, right? So, you know, we need to look at that. Yeah. What about like, so 
I want to, I kind of want to talk about the run that you did in yeah. was September because I know one of the things you're really big on is like barefoot running and I know you wear like Vivo barefoot shoes and you're really into kind of rewilding your, your feet as you call it. Like what, what, what's so important about that specifically for you in terms of like the foot and you know, why run barefoot? Why wear special shoes? Why, you know, well, feet are special. Yeah. They need special shoes. Um, no, um, right. So there's 33 joints, 26 bones, and 100 muscles, tendons, and ligaments in a foot. Mm. So um, that's some crazy stats there, <laughs> it's right? a lot, right? <laughs> <clears throat> so um, that's the foundation of what would be your structure. And there's certain roles within the body, right? So the, the big toe, the great toe, is four times thicker, denser than all the other toes. Mm-hmm. And we understand it as a, le- a, le- a lever, a loading point, and a pivoting point. Yeah. So it's very important where it's where it resides, and that should be within a, almost like a straight line. Um, that then is then a stable point in order for the ankle to be mobile, and then once the ankle is mobile, the knee can be a stable point, the hip can be a mobile point, the pelvis and the core can be stable, the thoracic spine can then be mobile off of fl- um, rotation, extension, yeah. flexion, and then the neck can be stable. Yeah. So it's like that boom, 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 all the way up. So, so that in that, the way you've just des- described that, that all starts from the foot upwards. Yeah. Well, it starts on the ground. Yeah, from the ground. Yeah. Right. So say there's motor skill milestones as a toddler, as a baby, you'll witness, and they go through all these motor skill milestones and they get to a squat and then they can stand up, right? Mm-hmm. There's no chair involved with that, right? Mm-hmm. Then if you observe people in nature again, there's like a hundred different rest positions they can choose on the ground doesn't involve a chair and each one of those rest positions will help nurture and honor the upright wild posture that we're recognized for as a sapien species yeah. right? that's a romantic side of it right yeah. um so footwear more often not if you get get a modern shoe um work shoe casual shoe training shoe and you put it on a piece of paper and you draw around it the most narrow point is the toe box mm. yeah the human foot if you get a a, a a foot that hasn't been compromised by the shoe shape will be the widest point will be the toe box and most narrow would be the heel. So you only have to look at that to start with to think that, ah, there's something flawed in that, right? Um, So once you start to move the big toe over, that changes the leverage, pivoting, and um, loading main point of your superstructure, which then compromises the behavior of the ankle, the knee, the hip, the lower back, the mid back, and the neck. Mm Mm-hmm. That's that's the most easiest way of explaining it. Yeah. Um, then if we start to then introduce a heel behind that, then we change even further the mechanics of the posture above it. Then if we introduce rubber to that, then the rubber becomes compliant mm-hmm. and that makes you stiff. So compliance and stiffness works like this. If I ask you to jump up and down on a really hard floor, what gives the really hard floor or you? You. You. Yeah. If you jump up and down on a piece of rubber, what becomes more stiff, rubber or you? The rubber's compliant, it's yeah. you. So um, what's the worst thing to exist on? Rubber. Rubber, yeah. Because it's compliant and you only ever get the same experience, which is you becoming stiff. So the more and more you get closer to the f- ground, the more and more you start to use your own innate ability to whether I need to become stiff or compliant mm-hmm. in any one moment, which means you get more sensory feedback um, if I go completely barefoot, then there's like up to 200,000 receptors in the soles of those feet. Mm. So the equivalent of what you have in your hands or in your feet. Wow. 
Um, so that means every little decision that your movement brain will make will be based on how much muscle action, tendon action, how compliant, stiff, but we'll also be calculating how do I become much more efficient and minimize the risk of injury yeah. through being bare, naked. Then you can go to companies like Vivo Barefoot that understand that and say, well, what are the things we can do to help protect you against the zoo environment of glass and needles and whatever else is out there? We can create a wide toe box and a shoe that's three millimeters to four millimeters. Mm. And in, the, in, in from the, the bottom. From the sole. Yeah, from the sole. And the studies show that when you start to go above that, you start to dumb down the information that the brain will receive wow. in yeah. calculating what muscles, tendons they should be using. Yeah. Um, why is that important? Well, you know, it's like we go to the gym, we go to Pilates, we go to yoga, everything else. And the two factors really that are compromising us to begin with is just footwear in the chair. Mm. So I put as much attention into the way the feet behave as I would saying minimize sitting. You know, every time you stand up, then you've got to make that calculation on what joint actions am I making? What muscle actions am I making? What's the tendon action? And um, if I want to minimize the risk of injury, become more efficient, and I want longevity in that system, then they're the areas I'd address. Yeah. You know, and it doesn't matter what you can, you know, if, if you catch, if you know, for my kids, they don't know any difference. They're, they're, I mean, they have incredibly like, amazing feet. <laughs> they're really interesting feet. Um, and But then I've got clients again who are like 78. And again, we've just gone through a process of rewilding their feet, yeah. getting their feet back to the way that they should be performing and behaving. And again, their movement's so different now, right? Mm. They move differently because they're not, they haven't got the stiffness and the awkwardness in the pattern that's being fed by the inappropriate footwear that they would wear that would create an inappropriate action. Yeah. Yeah, so this is, going back to the very beginning, this is why I became really interested in your work is because I've had, like I said, I've explained about my back, but before that I had a lot of football injuries in ankles, knees, as you can imagine. So I started to, to, to go back to, okay, can I walk around barefoot in the house? Can I take my shoes off as much as possible even... I mean, I haven't today, but sometimes when I record the podcast, I just take my shoes off. Or if I'm, you know, just at work, shoes come off under the desk or in the gym, I take my trainers off when I'm doing weights or whatever, just mm. to just to be on the ground. Connected. Yeah. And you start, you do start to feel the benefits, but I feel like there's, there's so much to it. Again, it's one of those things that gets really confusing, especially with, with like footwear, because, and I've noticed a lot is like when you look at, a lot of kind of you see it less with guys you see it more with girls i suppose you start to see like because you know they're squ squeezing feet into like heels and tight In shoes the most and, narrow point yeah and it, <clears throat> you know the, the big toe like you said has moved over slightly and then you start to you, you change the shape of the foot right so other than the specialized kind of shoes is there like a general footwear that is better i wouldn't say good but better because I'm wearing Converse and I tend to wear Converse most days because A, they're, they're pretty flat. There's zero drop, which is, you know, the, the, the where your foot rests from the toe to your heel is yep. the same level. Yep. There's no kind of heel or whatever. There's no raise. There's no raise. Um, or Vans is the other ones that I tend to wear because A, I like trainers. But I, I feel like my feet are kind of, they, you, there's movement in there, but it's also, they're not, they're not too restricted, if you see what I mean. It feels like they're good, but they're, they're, they're certain types of footwear which are better than others that are you know if you're not going down the specialized route because some people you know it might 
take a while to kind of go Convert. from wearing like normal trainers to like buying Vivo Barefoot, for example. Yeah, I think the the beauty of Vivo now is that they, you know, they when I first started out with them, because I knew I, I knew this stuff. So for me, it was like I can't wear. Yeah, yeah other footwear i just can't do it because i know the impact it's having on my physiology yeah boom done it's like when i have chairs i know the impacts can have my physiology i'll take it away yeah but i understand that doesn't that doesn't work for all right when i first started out with them it was like wearing clown shoes they were just hideous right everyone would be like what the fuck are you wearing like really wide (laughs) wide shoes man and the design wasn't that great whereas now they've kind of got they've have a team on board that understand design more. you know and they've got casual wear smart wear and it's growing. It's yeah. massive yeah. now. Um, so I think that model's changed. I think we'll probably get, we can get a discount code for people as well. That might help. Yeah, them that'd that decision. be really helpful, yeah. Um, the other thing is, look, you might, you might just, I've got clients that just, they just, they just love their shoes. It's like, I can't give my shoes up. I feel like this. Right, so, okay, so we do this when you're not wearing them. So I give them uh, uh, some rewilding feet exercises mm. and we call it toga which is like yoga for your feet yeah i'll put a link to that in there as well um i've got squat tutorials and things. we can put all that in there i'll yeah, put it in there great. to your listeners right? yeah. um and then that will help rewild the posture and get the squat back and then we can do stuff that if they're wearing no matter what footwear they're wearing then they can at least get some understanding and feedback and who knows the feet might feel amazing they're like, yeah i'm on board now um how do you get on board yet? The converse is it's okay and the vans are okay, mm. but still if you get that piece of paper, they're still more narrow in yeah. the toe box than they are the heel. It feels like we have more space in them, but it, it's not. It's really interesting because if you actually put your foot on top of that shoe, yeah. where your big toe would, should be is way off. So it has the habit of pushing over. Yeah. What happens there is that, because we have these terms that are thrown around like supranation and pronation, um, the moment that big toe gets pushed over, you can't go, you can't roll through the big toe. You roll over it that way. Mm. And it creates this pronated ankle over and over again, um, which then means that you offer, uh, you have an overpronated ankle, an overpronated knee, and, and therefore in the hips as well. So even that alone will be creating a compromised back. So I think what you can do is yeah, look for zero drop. As you say, zero drop means there's no heel. It's just flat to the ground. Try and avoid anything where the toe looks like it pokes up in the air because, again, the big toe is meant to be grounded yeah. and a lever and a pivoting tool. You need to find something as wide as possible. So to start with, just get a piece of paper and a pen. Don't draw around your shoe-shaped foot. Try and move your big toe over to where it would normally reside yeah. first. I'm kind of doing it as you speak. I'm trying yeah. to visualize like how I would do that. And then draw around it. Yeah. Cut it out. And when you go and buy shoes, take your template with you and try and find something that's closest to that as possible. Mm. You know? It seems like a lot to do, but it's yeah. really just a piece of paper. But ultimately, pen. it comes back to that that 1%. That's going to save your ass. I mean, yeah. literally your ass. Yeah. Because your glutes function off the... Yeah, the, the, I tell people that it's a different message, right? Mm. You know, it's like I, some of my clients. It's like, well, if you do this, you know, your glutes are only going to be great for it. Oh, I'm going to go and do it then. Or it might be, oh, your abs are going to be better because, of course, you improve your core by the function of your feet, the ankles, the knees, the hips. Yeah. To have core stability simply means that you have a mobile hip and a mobile mid back, and yeah. the middle player being your core will understand that to be stable. Yeah. You cannot do that just by going to a class and doing a core strengthening exercise and then go back to wearing inappropriate footwear that puts inappropriate action in the ankle, the knee and the hip, which then feeds too much play in the middle member being the lower back. 
it just makes you stronger at the core stability exercise. Yeah. So it's good for feeding the ego and getting stronger at the exercise, but it's not actually good for the physical vessel itself. Yeah. 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 Fascinating. I'm, I'm, my mind's going crazy with like what things I need to start doing. <laughs> Even though I tend to try and do a lot anyway, to be honest, but you always feel like there's there's more you can add and change and adapt and you know. Well, again, it could, look, there's, again, it's it could just get overwhelming. So I say, look, the message is just yeah, try and get a footbed that's wider. When you're not, when there's no need for shoes, get your feet out. Yeah. Go barefoot. If you're in the park, go barefoot because mm. it just means you get the your feet will open up. You get a sensory input. Also, you get a microbiome experience from that. Yeah. Um, at home, it, it, you don't have to be like me. You don't have to remove all your furniture, but just say to yourself, right, I've been sitting for this amount of time. It might mean, you know, what's the average day look like? Right, I've been lying down for mm. eight hours. <laughs> I make it into the shower. It's probably the longest I'm going to stand up. <laughs> yeah. It's three minutes in the shower. Then I'll go and sit down for brekkie. Then I'll yeah. have a short walk to the tube, right? Or get, or even go out to the drive, get, get sit in the car, car again and drive for however long. Close the car, walk two minutes to the office, sit down again all day, stand up, walk, do, repeat. repeat. <laughs> so when you arrive home, if you're going to watch Netflix, put Netflix on the ground, but get on the ground. Just yeah. start playing with different rest positions on the ground. It's the way of doing mobility, you know, just have a play with it, just yeah. see how it feels. Um, that's, I mean, that's that's so simple. That's, yeah. that, and that's mashing stuff up and within your day. Brushing your teeth, right? If you spend three minutes brushing your teeth, try and have a go at standing on one leg, mm. barefoot, you know? And then just play around with the areas of your feet, you know, and they're experiencing different things. Change legs, you know? Maybe yeah. squat a bit, you know? Do do stuff within what the, or the those habits that are already there. Just try and flip them. Yeah. And it, with the ground positions, is there... Because I kind of feel like... Because I, I was giving it a go for a while, like, because I do a lot of work off my laptop. So I put yeah. my laptop on the floor and, I'd, yeah. you know, one minute I'd be sat cross-legged, then I'd be, like, on my side. And then, I'd you know, I'd be changing, like, one 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 leg up, like, one leg out flat or whatever. You know, like I said, there's a there's hundred different positions or over a hundred, but... Is there a misconception that some of those positions can be compromising to your posture? Because I feel like I, I feel like sometimes when I'm in a position, you kind of like, am I am I doing it right? Am I too like leaning too much to the side? Is there too much pressure here? Is you know is, is my shoulders rounded over too much? You know, yeah, yeah. are there compromises within that within those positions, or is it just they're just good for you because you're not sitting on a chair kind of thing. There's nudges within, aren't there? Mm. That are telling you, you know, this doesn't feel great. I'd go with that. Mm. And then try and find ways of bolstering it up so you can actually feel more comfortable in it. Yeah. Um, or you have to find what's, that's probably, a, that that would work as like, a, imagine a squat is a macro skill. Yeah. So what are the micro skills of the squat to get me to the macro skill of squatting? Yeah. So there might be, postures within that that you have to classify in your head as oh that feels really hard and strong for me to get into that position yeah then i have to use other positions to be able to break the code to be able to get into that i would use that as the example pose yeah why am i finding that so difficult why is it so under tension do i really want to sit there in loads of tension no but let me find other ways of working around it and playing with it play play with different positions yeah kneeling's a great you know, entry level, just kneeling on two knees, mm. you know, and then that's like a, a, a like a, with the toe pointing behind. Yeah. 
And then you can go into a heel sit where you tuck your toes underneath yeah. and you rest your bum on your heel. So the foot's now, yeah. And then you can do single leg versions of that. Then you can do the shin box, which is probably what you're referring to, where it feels a bit awkward and you're over to one side. Mm-hmm. And then just keep playing, going from one to the next to the next to the next. A good place to start is I'll, I'll put the squat tutorial in there. Yeah, that'd be amazing, yeah. For the listeners, because I've put an area in there that's called ground game. And then with that ground game, there's like, I think I've put six postures in there to just yes, p- yeah. play with. And then just, you know, just work with it. Yeah. And just think that, you know, it's it just anything to get you off the chair. Yeah. But try and get, again, where I went with the information about the squat at the very beginning, it's meant to feel like a rest position. Mm. To start with, there'd be, there'd be a, a, the box that you're ticking, it'll feel like exercise. Because you have to have the flexibility, the mobility, and the strength to hold those positions, you know. So strip them back until you can get to the the positions that feel more restful. Yeah. Familiarize yourself with those, and even those are still an upgrade into what sitting would be. Yeah. So with, with a squat, then is it like? I kind of want to break it down because I feel like if you if we stripped it back to nature, right, and we went all the way back to like the cavemen, for example, how long would they be able to hold a squat? Well, the beauty is you don't have to go back that far because you just go to the tribes of today. Oh, the, like, yeah, with the tribes. You know? go to the tribes. And because otherwise it makes, it makes, it, it makes it's it less seem relatable. Like, it almost yeah. feels like we're talking about aliens. Yeah. Really, we're all sapiens. So they're yeah. the same species as us. Well, do you know what? I, I would even say not even tribes. I'd say if you look at Asian culture, yeah. you see a lot of like, you know, um, that Indian culture. Yep. I was in Japan. Like you see people can just drop into a squat and just just sit there and you're just like, what? Like I'd be in agony. Yeah, I talk about like the 90 year old man at the bus stop, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> Waits at the bus stop, he's 90, half an hour, bus comes, stands up, gets on, right? Yeah. You know, some people like in their 20s may not even get into a squat and if they did, how they'd miss the bus and wouldn't be able to get up again <laughs> after 30 minutes. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, so yeah, it's um, again, it's getting it back to a full flat-footed resting position as a squat. Mm. So it does become a rest, but it's not just the squ- the squat's just one one of we have such a prize on it, right? Yeah, it's become so a thing, right? The squat. Um, but again, there's 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 prerequisites to get to a squat, which would be things like kneeling, right? Yeah. So a single leg kneeling position is is no different to a single legged squat. Uh, a, a single leg squat yeah so yeah. kneel on one side but the leg on the other side that's popped up looks like half a squat half a squat yeah yeah you yeah. know so it's just breaking it down slowly until you get into a comfortable <laughs> comfortable position like comfortable enough to be in the squat position really. yeah so again it feels like a rest and then how long would you spend there right yeah. <clears throat> so Ido Portal did a great thing for squatting and he developed like, the, the squat challenge and it was like a 30-30 challenge where you do um, 30 minutes of squat a day for 30 days. Mm-hmm. Um, and so all you do is you grab your smartphone and you put 30 minutes in the timer. Yeah. Every time you get into your squat, you hit go. Every time you stand up, you hit pause. Yeah. It's great. What I started to see, though, was people coming in where they hadn't really paid attention to how their feet behave, their ankles behave, knees behave. So then what you do is you build poor, a poor foundation for then you, for you just stand up. So the yeah. squat is like the prerequisite of standing. Yeah. So how do you want to stand? Do you want to be really solid and firm? So then I'd start addressing things like, well, what is the foundation of that squat? Don't just squat mm. and just put mindless hours of squatting in. 
might be the ankle's not mobile enough to begin with. So you can cheat a bit. You can put like a little support behind the heel, like a broom handle mm. or a book or something. And then you'll find you'll get into the squat much easier. And then over time, because you're setting a timer for 30 minutes, just over time, just put drop the support over time. And you'll find within 30 days, you'll more than likely get to a flat-footed yeah. squat. But the squat tutorial is about that. Yeah. You know, there's loads of little tricks and tips in yeah. there, like how to get the feet right, how to get the ankles right. Rest positions that help nourish the squat, they're the prerequisites. And then eventually you go into timing your squat for 30 minutes. Yeah. And then, you know, however long. But you normally find with all the rest positions, you'll get nudges. It's like, right, time to move. Yeah. And then it's a cue to move again. Whereas we don't get that necessarily here. Well, you move just now, it's like yeah. a cue, right? Yeah, yeah. And I appreciate the irony of this. We're actually sitting, sitting here down right now. Sitting time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But this will be, right, okay, this is an example of it, right? We sit down for a long period of time now. So now what do you do? Yeah. Now, then it will be, okay, push the chair back, hold the table, do a few squats. Yeah. And then you're already in charge. Yeah catch us squatting after this then um, yeah yeah so on that note con- conscious of time that we've been sat down for quite a long time yeah, yeah. and i need to get up and move um got last couple of questions for you sure so if we could go back in time um we could speak to a younger version of yourself what three bits of advice would you give yourself to start doing from that moment so we can go back to like young tony in school uh, yeah, I, I've been asked this before, and it's kind of I had this. It came up for me on my run, you know, um, while I was out there. There's loads of time to process, mm. so it's kind of like you're out, just hours on the road, just tick, 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 being at one with nature. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always have this: trust the process, respect the process, be patient whilst in the process. And then when you finally figured out that actually this is all just process, just be. Yeah. So for me, it's, it would be exactly what I've done up until this point because it's got me to where I am now. Yeah, it would just be to be, just do what you do. Um, don't be such, so don't be in a rush, and and don't make comparisons. Mm. You know, the 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 wisdom is in the experience. So there could be two examples. There could be. Tony 1 and Tony 2.0 <laughs> and Tony 1 is kind of like right okay I'm observing everyone else and that guy's got there quicker than I am he's much more successful than I am he did it this way and there'll be Tony 2.0 just 2.0 just you know takes 10 times 10 times the length of time it does to get to the same level of success mm. but who's gained more experience mm. you know so it's just being completely patient with it and just you have to surrender to it being a process and once you trust that then it will all unravel for yeah. you yeah but it's how do we get to that stage you yeah know? exactly i think that's the that's where the learning is yeah and, and that's I, I kind of where the where the it's easier for a 44 approaching 45 year old man to say that mm. you know because i've had it all i've you know i've divorced lost businesses gone bankrupt had a breakdown done it all mm. And it's still the same lesson. Would I would I swap it? No, absolutely not. Mm. I mean, it's an incredible process, and I've had to go through all that to be who I am today. Yeah, and as I say, I think it comes down to like being learning to be present with everything, and take the learnings from everything, and not. I think the comparison is always a big one because most people that I ask that question to, because I ask the same question at the end all the time, most people will say, "Stop." 
comparing yourself to others stop you know that that's always one of the things that comes up because i feel like we fall into that trap instead of just being with ourselves and learning about ourselves understanding ourselves growing ourselves through those experiences through those learnings you know and that's a that's a really big powerful point well because it goes right into school again right it takes us back there right that's the comparison right that's the person next to you or the fashion or whatever there's whatever's going on it's all in there so it's you know it's um it's unraveling that in a way yeah yeah, yeah totally. how do we get to a point where we unravel that? And yeah. I think that's just trusting again that the maturity will iron things out for you. Mm. And don't be afraid of the adversity, you know. I think the best, all my best lessons and, and teachings have come from adversity. Yeah, for sure. You know, the run, as an example, like the, the, I learned the most on day 27 when I couldn't run. And it was like I had, <laughs> I, I was meant to be finishing the challenge in, on, the, on, on the 30th day, right? Yeah. And I've sprained my ankle and I can't even stand on it. Jeez. Yeah. You know? So what then? Yeah. You know, and then it took all my 44 years of everything I've experienced to enable me to get through that moment. Yeah. Amazing. You know, and then I could run 30 miles that day. Yeah. The next day, 47 the day after and Jeez. finish on 57 miles on the last day. Wow. Off the back of all of that, still yeah. with a sprained ankle, but it was just it was just the 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 mind. We again part of that trust in the process is is human potential. You will be blown away by if you're really up against it, what you can achieve. So don't be so fearful about that. It's mm. okay to fail. It's okay to have trauma. It's okay to have adversity because again we learn from that. Yeah, I think we're scared to push ourselves sometimes, aren't we? But you know, when you look at people like. You know, people out there like Wim Hof and people who are like, you know, uh, what was that guy called? I can't remember. Uh, Ky- uh, Kyle Maynard. Yeah. The, the, you know, he's got like no limbs, but he's climbed Mount Everest. He's been a wrestler. He's been an MMA fighter. He's done all these, a footballer in America. He's done all these amazing things because he hasn't been scared to push himself and test how far he can push his body. Yeah, when, as I said earlier, you know, you've got one, there's one, phys- you have this one, phys- one life in this physical body, right? mm. in this vessel. Don't be afraid to live it. You yeah, know? Because, sure. you know, it's, you know, to some people, it's that they might not be able to do that, you know, honour them. Yeah, 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 literally. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> final question on that note then, what okay. does happiness mean to you? Well, I think happiness is a byproduct of joy, so I think, um, what does joy mean? Joy, um, it's found in the experience, I guess, for me, again. So it's just, re- I've had to re- rewild joy for myself mm. to fully understand what it means. And, it, and, it's, an ex- and it's a feeling, it's not, it's not a one-hit wonder of happiness, is, we're all chasing happiness, mm. right? But I think it comes through joy, you know. Yeah. Find joy in everything you do. You know, that can be even the dark stuff. Find find joy within it. Yeah. What did I learn from that? And transform it that way. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, I really appreciate the time. Appreciate you it's being cool, here. Man. You know, it's been... So I mean, I could go on for another hour and there's so much more we could cover and talk about. I feel like there's a part two somewhere further down the line that we'll have to manifest. But um, yeah, I appreciate the time. And Thanks, man. The, the knowledge and the wisdom that you've shared is, is great, really powerful. And I think people will take a lot from it, which is 
kind of the point really so that's the podcast point exactly right um boom boom but before we sign out, can you just let people know where they can find you online? Uh, anything here's, you want to shout here's about? Here's the sale, yeah. Um, big sale. Big sale. So at the Natural Lifestylist Instagram uh, website, TonyRiddle.com, um, you can find workshops, retreats, mm. all of that stuff on there. There's if great you, resources on there, like book yeah, um, there's a recommendations and yeah. stuff like that. So if I'm involved with a product, I might put that up every now and then. There's a few videos on there as well. Um parenting stuff it's mm-hmm. like I mean there's lots on there um, yeah but they're the best platforms really and I saw we sort out a um, the squat there's a running tutorial yep. a squat tutorial there's a rewild your feet tutorial I'll put all those on there I'll Sam to organise that yes yeah, and then yeah and then it's, I've put the breathing app and stuff like that yeah, to yeah. help people as well yeah I'll link it all up in, in the show notes so people can yeah, check it out easily yeah oh yeah look thank you man that was good smashed it Boom. thank you brilliant thanks man So there we have it, guys. That was Tony Riddle. And as I said, like, he's just, oh, I can't even put it into words. There's just so much good stuff in that episode. So much. And I'm so excited. So happy that we got to bring it together and bring you all of those nuggets and all of that wisdom. And I really hope that you can start to implement some of it in your life. Because like I said at the start, I've really started to feel the benefits myself. I've bought a pair of Vivos since we recorded, as we mentioned in the episode. You know, I've been doing my, my squats. I've been doing all of this stuff to really help my body feel better and I can honestly say that I'm feeling the benefits, so I hope that you can take some of that. And if you have been inspired by this episode, and is someone that you know who you think would benefit from hearing this, then be sure to send them the link or a screenshot because it's important we continue to spread the message of this podcast and we get the vibes out there because I started this podcast to help inspire positive change and you can also be a part of that by sharing the love with someone you know. As ever, guys, you can connect with me on Instagram at IamAlexManzi. That's where I'm always hanging out. You can say hello. Let me know what you thought of this episode. You can ask me questions, whatever you like, really, on Instagram at IamAlexManzi. But for now, thank you for listening, and I will see you for the next episode. This podcast is produced by Unedited.